0: Hey, welcome to Guitar Knobs, the guitars, gear, noise, and nonsense podcast hosted today by these knobs. Tony Dudzik, Picardian. Hey, everybody. It's me. Welcome to the Guitar Knobs podcast. This is Todd. Todd. I said that already. Well, I messed up Wait a my minute. intro. who is this? Yes, anyways. <laughs> hey, we are thrilled to death that yes. you are listening we to our are. show. I'm all a Twitter because we've got somebody very special on the line. Uh, we've been waiting to have on for a, quite a long time. As a suggestion, I was going to ask him anyways, don't worry. But I, as a suggestion mm-hmm. from one of our closest friends, mm. Jeff Schroeder. Um, ah, name dropper. Yeah, well, no. <laughs> he's just our friend, <laughs> and he's been on plenty of times. So, uh, anyways, without further ado. Guest, who are you?
1: My name is Jack Bates. Thanks for asking me on. I play with Jeff in the Pumpkins. That is nice.
0: correct. You answered all the questions uh, very well.
2: You're allowed to continue. <laughs> yes, <laughs> and uh,
0: specifically, you are a bass player. I am indeed. Yes. Do you say you're a bass player or a bassist?
1: Uh, probably bass player. I guess. Okay. I it is
0: a weird thing. It
2: doesn't rule. A bassist does not, it doesn't rule up the. If I, know, I were uh, a bassist, I would call myself a basso profondo. Oh, that's pretty good. Maybe I'll, uh, maybe I'll start doing that. Yeah. yeah. You can put that on your business card. No charge.
0: <laughs> um, okay, so anyways, uh, now we're done with Tony's shenanigans. Um, so <laughs> just a couple of announcements we got, uh, and then we're going to get right into the good stuff. Get um, into it. We, and by the way, um, Jack, if if you if people want to see the things that you're doing out there, aside from going to the official Smash and Pumpkins social stuff, uh is there any where you'd like to point people right now
2: uh
1: i guess i should because i've been getting a lot of fake uh imposter profiles really? recently oh wow which which is weird because it kind of feels like oh i've arrived I'm being <laughs> it's also like really annoying when somebody messages you going hey i sent you 50 bucks how come you never did that private chat you know uh, <laughs> so <laughs> it's, it's it is a problem that was totally. um no you can you can find us on uh, instagram Jack Bates underscore music is what the one i use the most all right
0: do you have an official fan club
1: i do not but maybe i will after this yeah, I mean, probably. <laughs> <laughs> you two guys I mean, it got Jeff team. one. So, yeah, you know.
2: <laughs> so far yeah. you got two members. <laughs> <laughs> all right, that works for me. Yeah. Uh,
0: all right, uh, just a quick announcement. So I, I just got through sending out a whole bunch of swaggy bits mm-hmm. for um, new patrons. Yep. And I looked in my box, I'm like, <whistles> I'm running low on the swag. Yeah. So if you are a builder... Or, uh, some other type of person out there that is, that is listening and uh, that uh, would like to get your name in other people's hands, uh, we would very much welcome, um, stickers, picks, pins, whatever kind of little bits you, you would like to, $20 bills, <laughs> $20 bills, um, <laughs> cut in half so we can meet at a crossroads someday and you know, shake yes. hands. Um, uh, no, we we would love to get your brand name in front of uh, the people that care about the show and the people that love gear and music. So, yeah. um, please, uh, you can DM me on Instagram or you can shoot me an an email at todd at guitarknobs dot com, and uh, we'd love to uh, make uh, make spread spread the seeds of your of your business and and brand <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. yeah, so love it. There you go. All
2: nice right. One.
0: Let's get into what's going on in our music world. We're just gutting right for the jugular, aren't we, Just do it. Not a whole bunch of nonsense up front. Well, we don't have those other jokers today. Nobody's popsicles are melting in their hands or anything. Yeah, all this riffraff that usually hangs out at the (laughs) studio. Uh, Jack, we're going to just chat a uh, little bit about what's going on in our music worlds this week. Now, just fair warning, when we get to you, we know that you are doing an awful lot with a, with with the Smashing Pumpkins, if there's mm-hmm. anything that uh, is escaping the stage, or, you know, in your own free time, things that you're listening to, just think about that. Let it brood in your head and, and tell us. Okay, first we're going to start off with. Yes, Tanya. Yes,
2: go ahead. Oh, that's that's all I get today. Do <laughs> you want more? Uh, you usually give me a, a multi-word yes. introduction. Yes,
0: the the fresh-shaven, uh, dirty-shirted yeah. pickle puss.
2: Tanya Volonsky, go ahead. Well, and I, I just got a, a an email from the Smashing Pumpkins. They told me they would like me to try out to be a bass player. Mm.
1: <laughs> what do you mean? <laughs> oh, he hasn't got the he hasn't got oh, the notice dope, yet. Don't, don't. Sorry.
2: <laughs> no, no. That that I just I just made that up. Yeah. No, but I did find something interesting in perusing the guitar news uh, world. Um, Gibson. Is opening another Gibson garage Hmm. Guess where LA Nope London UK Oh that's cool So they are They're opening up uh, Like London needs something new (laughs) (laughs) But it's I mean If you I don't know if. Why didn't they put put it in in Cornwall Why Um, didn't they put it in Manchester No that's true They could have put it right. right that near would this. that would
0: make a lot of sense. I mean, that is the music capital of,
2: of, it is. of the UK, so. and it you is. Know, they could put it right next to the uh, the football stadium. Yes, exactly. Music and football capital. <laughs> I love it. I love it. But anyhow, um, I don't know if you know. Probably some of our listeners. I think Todd, you were down at the Nashville Garage, right? That's, I actually haven't been there. Oh, you haven't been there? No. Oh, we're going to have to do a little trip down there. I know. But uh, that, that's pretty impressive. I You know, I think one of the reasons Gibson opened that up was to keep people for, you know, that wanted to keep taking, you know, factory tours and things like that. Uh, it gave them a place to go and a place to buy things and, you know, all that fun stuff. Yeah. Uh, so this one in London apparently is going to be about 4,500 square feet uh which is pretty good sized building and uh what is, what is forty
0: five is forty five hundred square feet like a size of a liquor store uh <laughs> or is like is that like maybe maybe your liquor store <laughs> is, it, is, it, is it like uh the
2: size of a Costco um it, I'm really probably, good at math, so you got to help me I, out. I'm, with this. I, I'm saying it's going to be somewhere between a liquor store and a Costco. Uh, <laughs> a, a family-owned Italian restaurant. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yes, but it's, it's a good-sized building, uh, right in downtown. I, I think they said it's going to be off Oxford Street. So. Oh um, yeah, right.
1: it's going to be right on the plot.
2: Yeah. So it's pretty cool. So I'm, I, 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 you know, kudos to that. I, I was hoping that Jared was going to join us tonight so I could pick his brain a little bit, but um, you know, it's. Uh, uh, our friend Jared is a is uh, works for uh, for Gibson. Uh, he's usually oh, okay. on the show,
0: but uh, he's been uh, missing a little bit since since he started working for Gibson. Thank the luck, Gibson.
1: <laughs> okay, so it's not just that he doesn't
0: like bass players. <laughs> that is correct. That is correct. No, he that is, he's actually uh, seen seen you uh, up there many yeah. times as well. So he was oh sad to, okay. He's <laughs> always sad when he misses it. He loves doing the show. Yeah. Right.
2: So anyhow, but this, so that's kind of you know. Yeah, and I've got to work on my bass licks and stuff so I can do the uh, the audition next week. But
0: right, right, yeah. <laughs> got it. Um, so Jack, how about yourself? Uh, anything anything new or interesting that uh, I guess maybe that's also part of what we're going to get into because I think we're all very curious about you know how how the life of a musician uh, still maintains a musical mind. But what's uh, what's going on with you?
1: You know, honestly, the last. The last two weeks have been so consumed by getting ready for the tour and then starting the tour that I feel like I've not thought about anything else in that time mm. frame other than trying to remember all these riffs. Yeah. Well, let <laughs> so me ask difficult. you this.
0: What's uh, on. what's uh, uh, one of the favorite uh, bands you've, you've listened to recently?
1: I was actually listening to Opeth today. I was going super heavy Whoa! in my hotel room hopefully the person on the other side of that lot to join indoor wasn't getting too upset with me yeah that's I was uh, going heavy today that is that was that's <laughs> that's heavy
0: that's mm. that'd be heavy
1: yes <laughs> i do go there i do go there opeth gojira i like all that kind of stuff yeah you know uh i was just
0: I, I can't remember if i mentioned this on the on the show uh maybe last time or something but um uh, I'm not asking you, Jack, by the way, because I know okay. you, you would. <laughs> I was just looking at Tony. But anyways, point being, yes. you mentioned you mis- uh, mentioned Gojira. And when, uh, so this has to do with Go- with Gojira because I just randomly Googled or, you know, just looked into YouTube and said, I don't, and I don't even know what possessed me to do it, but there was a show that I went to um, several years ago uh, I- at the Palladium in mm-hmm. in hollywood and gojira was opening for slayer oh wow okay and uh, yeah <laughs> you can imagine um anyway so um when slayer came on uh, you know we we did the thing and i just i wondered i was like did anybody record this show and somebody recorded the whole show Someone records every show. Yes, yeah. and that was—I mean, that was—you uh, know—maybe, gosh, was it was—it maybe ten years now, maybe. Um, anyways, and for whatever reason, I'm watching, I'm watching, and Carrie um, King's doing a solo, and this guy zooms in to Carrie King doing a solo, and and I'm looking, and all of a sudden, this this face looks at the camera, and he zoomed in like pretty tight on the stage, and this face turns around and looks at the camera, and I'm like that's me. <laughs>
1: yeah.
0: it was weird to see me in the past like ah. like looking at myself saying what's up man you know that's interesting it was yeah, really right. that, bizarre and it was only for like a moment you know you're like oh i know that guy yeah it was wild <laughs>
2: anyways uh and jack just so you know we're recording this tonight and we're missing the biggest show of all time uh motley Crue and def Leppard at the ohio stadium tonight yeah. Oh wow! <laughs> yes, I've wow. actually seen that show. <laughs> Have you? Yes, and then I stopped going to see Motley. Crue. Yeah, I think the crew is pretty
0: much. uh <laughs> yeah. well, Actually, actually, you know what? The last thing I saw at Irvine Meadows, as we were talking about earlier, Jack, was mm. uh, it was Kiss and Motley Crew, and I bumped into John Five.
2: Oh wow. Um, oh wow! Accidentally, another, another yeah, little
0: just, precursor to the future. Yeah. Oh yeah, oh, yeah right. Because who? Yeah, who knew at that mm-hmm. time? And mm. then, and then the coolest part about that, um, two nights later, was Iron Maiden in the same venue. I mean, oh, nice. it wow. was It was amazing. Anyways, what a what a great couple of days <laughs> that was.
2: Are there any videos of that with you looking back at the camera? No, no. no too <laughs> bad. <laughs> no, that'd be really cool.
0: But I did get thrown out of. Irvine Meadows, uh, literally thrown out, mm-hmm. um, on my, on my keister, on my keister roughly, um, during, uh, public enemy anthrax and primus. Hmm. Yes.
2: Well, there uh, you go. Was, you must've do done to, something really horrible yeah. to get kicked what out did you of do that show. Uh,
0: so as you know, as, as Jack, as you know, but maybe other people don't know Irvine Meadows amphitheater was, a. a, a a fantastic venue in Irvine, uh, Irvine, Southern California. And it's a, it's a huge amphitheater. Um, So the seats are, you know, it's amphitheater style. So they go up, right? Well, this was at the time, you know, if you think about the bands that were playing. So Public Enemy comes on and they, they do bring the noise with, and then, and, you know, Scotty and comes out there and, you know, and everybody's doing their thing. My pals said, hey, this would be a perfect time to, to send Todd forward crowd surfing. <laughs> well, you can't crowd surf on an angle.
2: Oh, so that's bad. So they yeah.
0: threw me into a pile of people. Oh, my God. And I, and I, you know, it was like, oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. And I went back to the thing. And then they did it again. Now, I'm pretty sure I didn't say no, but <laughs> nevertheless, I, at when I got down there, um, they they weren't having it, uh, so they were trying to pull me in to to give me the what for. Yeah, meanwhile, the security guards were pulling on me, thinking I'm resisting. So I'm literally like that you know, the on the back of your Levi's jeans or the two horses and the pair of jeans. I was ah, the pair of jeans drawn and quartered. Uh, <laughs> and then finally, the security <laughs> guys got me and uh tossed me out. Oh, and the worst no t- part about it, um. Jack, you probably have some great memorabilia that you've gotten off of, off of uh, people you've run into and everything, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that night, as we were getting ready to start, um, I, I, I had a, uh, an unfortunate haircut at the time. <laughs> never, I borrowed my friend's hat. I said, let me borrow your hat. And he's like, no, this is my favorite hat. And I said, let me borrow your hat. And he's like, fine. So when that happened, uh. I didn't really realize it, but that was his uh, syndicate hat. So syndicate was the, um, the record label mm-hmm. that Ice-T put together and, and, and um, you know, all that stuff. Uh, you know, cop killer and all that stuff. And uh, so I was wearing this hat and I hear this, yo, syndicate man. And I look and I'm like, who's yelling at who? I'm not thinking about me. I'm looking around and I see this dude and he's like waving at me like, come here, come here. And I was like, I walked up and I'm like, oh my God, that's iced tea. And he's sitting there with his wife, Coco. And he's like, uh-huh. he's like, I'll sign your hat. And I was like, why do you want to sign my hat? Like, I'm like, it doesn't, it's not computing to me, right? <laughs> so I, I, I take off my hat. I'm like, oh, right, syndicate. And he's, he doesn't, gives me a little, you know, bump, fist bump, thing Bob And I'm looking back at my friend who's seething. Seething because he actually really was into iced tea and, like, had the like. <laughs> so I came back and I was like, Hey, what's up? I got your hat signed. <laughs> well, the problem is when I got kicked out, the hat didn't come with me. Oh, dear. So somebody out there is walking around with a signed syndicate I hat. They couldn't believe it. So there you go that was a really long story thank you for
1: sharing what's going on in your music Jack. Well, all i all i take away from that is i hope your friend learned one of the top rules of rock and roll is that you don't let anybody borrow your favorite anything
2: <laughs> yes because you can count it, gone. <laughs> yes. Too exactly. true. Too true. Yeah. Well, Todd, oh, uh, boy. I'll I I'll almost hesitate. I hesitate to ask know, what's going on. This is this okay. is
0: about Jack tonight.
2: Okay, I thought, uh, I thought thing, it might be.
0: The, the one thing I did want. to... Well, I can't help sharing a good story. He was like, right? Really? You've uh, stop it. That's shocking. Jack, did you? Were you mildly entertained? I was very
1: entertained. Okay, yeah. perfect.
0: Mission accomplished. All right. So, um, Jack, uh, you play bass, so you're used to probably you know heavy guitars quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a custom guitar made for me by a, a very good, fantastic luthier friend of mine, and I wanted it to have a little bit of weight, little you know. And when he set it up, it was like he's like, "Man, this is solid African mahogany. This is gonna be like this is heavy." And I'm like, "Man, it's cool. This guy got it." Well, after a lot of back pain later, I'm like, can we make this lighter? And that uh, upset him very much, but we did it. And I finally mm-hmm. got it back. Oh, nice. And just taking just taking off two pounds from, you know, basically putting tons of holes in the back of this thing. Yeah. Um, I couldn't believe how much, like, I, I could move around. Like, I could... Yeah. I. I f- before I just felt like I was wearing like cement
1: boots like, yeah, on stage. Any, any any kind of small changes like that can make a massive difference when you actually come to play it.
0: Yeah, like I felt like my emotion from playing was starting to show more physically, which mm. which I liked. Yeah, because um, it's very diff. It was very difficult to do that because it was ten pounds. Because you had a grimace on your face. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> anyways. So, all right. Well, phew, glad we got through that. Tony, you're so long-winded. Um, all right. Hey, speaking of pedals what? and stuff. <laughs> yeah, I know. Speaking of pedals and stuff, um, Jack, I'm I'm sure that you spend hours going over your pedal board every single night, in, <laughs> which I know that's not exactly true, but
2: but pretend. But play along. Play did, along. Play along.
0: If you did, may we recommend? Uh, to you and and other bass players and and mm-hmm. other and other guitarists out there and flautists and f- sure anybody who might be using effects pedals yes would benefit from the use of tour, tour gear, gear patch cables that's right tour gear designs patch cables I know I you were dying say, to say that I was
2: dying to say designs
0: uh, loads of different sizes loads of different uh, configurations. All to help you put an entire pedal board together without compromising, or having to bend, or take up too much room, or Todd? too much of your
2: wallet. Todd, what? What? What about if I had a pedal that had jacks on the top, but I wanted to go to one that had jacks on the side?
0: There's a pedal. There's a. There's a uh, patch for that. There is. There is. Yes, so you're you're in good shape. And what you can do is go to TourGearDesigns.com. Yes. Load your card up, I'm and doing then it. in the coupon code you put the guitar knobs. You're going to save ten percent. Yes. And that's a good deal. It's so, a,
2: that's an even better deal.
0: Yes. So thank you to Tour Gear Designs for sponsoring our four on the four.
2: Let me get a little bit of this. One, two, one, two, three, four on the floor
0: all right jack bates bassist extraordinaire for the smashing pumpkins what is
1: your four on the floor all right so my first one would be there's a bit of a backstory to it so my father is a bass player who has a very specific sound his name is peter hook he played in new order and joy division Mm -hmm. and um he found or stumbled upon a sound that he could only get from one pedal, which sort of went on to become his calling card. And um, when I don't play with the pumpkins, I'm playing with his band Peter Hook and the light. Mm-hmm. And this is the first pedal that you need to get that sound. And it's the electroharmonics clone theory chorus pedal. But it's gotta be one of the old ones. I'm not talking about the reissues. I'm talking about the, the big ones. ones. Yeah. yeah, the big ones The one that comes with its own plug you know (laughs) right and they they just if you're looking for that Peter hook sound that's the pedal and um they're they're very temperamental and they're hard to tour with just because of their age we have to get them fixed quite a lot but when you uh when you find one in good condition on ebay it's always a very good day so what about that specific pedal um is it uh, is it
0: like a specific setting that he found or is it literally just anything on that pedal
1: It's just I, I mean the Electro-Harmonix have put out new versions of that pedal and people have tried to copy that pedal and it's just they just can't kind of seem to get it quite as good and it's it's just something special about that pedal and it's interesting because I actually went I was I, I was lucky enough to go to the electroharmonics uh factory in new york and i spoke to mike matthews and um he was like oh that pedal yeah that was a total mistake <laughs> <laughs> i'm like what my dad based his entire career on that pedal <laughs> he's like oh yeah we, it didn't come out anywhere near how we wanted it to i'm yeah. like oh, okay i'll tell him that and, it, and so my dad loved that um so <laughs> it was a i guess it was a a mistake on their end but something um, very good on my dad's end that he found that sound that he was looking for and sort of became his thing you know And as soon as you hear that sound you can identify that it's Peter Hook on bass so I think he actually owes a lot to uh, Mike Matthew's mistakes and None of that uh, came through uh,
0: with the any specific uh, guitar he was playing. I mean, I know he's he's played several of them, um, mm-hmm. but the you know that original sound that he had with uh, Joy Division. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I mean, do you, do you think any of it is owned to that, or is it like that is the pedal that that
1: makes the the noise? I mean, the the, the pedal is. 75 percent of it i think and then i think he was looking i mean when he was playing in joy division his gear was really not very good yeah he's he a rickenbacker any... right Backer. well it wasn't even a rickenbacker no, it, was it, was was a, a it was a Japanese. hondo yeah yeah it was a copy oh uh, yeah yeah copy and he also had a you know like a, a fake gibson <laughs> that wasn't very good either and um, you know because they just didn't have any money and they had rubbish equipment yeah um so it wasn't until he got a bit of money and started buying Yamaha basses that he really dialed in the sound. Gotcha, um, gotcha. But the, the pedal is a big part of it too. I'm, cool. hoping, I'm hoping that one day Electroharmonics will listen to us and put out the uh, Peter Hook signature clone. Oh my gosh, that, thing, that, would, that would sell <laughs> out like overnight. Yeah, exactly. So I'm, I'm keeping my fingers crossed, but that, that would definitely be the, the first one. Nice. Number two. Now, number two is interesting because I've just been saying about how nobody seemed to replicate that old pedal, but I'm now going to completely contradict myself because <laughs> a, few, a few months ago, we were in Australia on tour with the Pumpkins and I came across this Australian pedal company called Past FX, P-A-S-T-F-X, and they have made a pedal Called the New Division Clone Theory. Well, that's which is oh, that's very top. clever. <laughs> which is obviously a play on New Order and Joint Division. So they're going for that Peter Hook sound. And when I saw it, I thought, well, I've got to try it. Just if anything, just because it looks cool. You know, it's got like, they use like a similar font to the Electro Harmonics one. And right. I thought, well, if anything, I'll just buy it so my dad can see it. He'll get a laugh out of it. And I plugged it in, and it is honestly the closest one I've ever found to being as good as that old one. No kidding. So I would honestly recommend it to anyone. I've just, I've just had a two month break from working with the Pumpkins, and I went back and did ten shows with my dad's band in UK and Europe, and uh, I was using this little Australian pedal instead of the big Clone Theory for the first time ever, and wow. it sounded great. So I just wanted to give them a big shout out because they've done a great job in uh, trying to replicate that that old vintage pedal. It's definitely the best one that well, I've come across, and it, we tried so many.
0: And it looks like they've done uh, you know they they've done uh, quite a bit. I mean that's kind of their whole thing is that they're mm-hmm. re re envisioning yeah uh,
1: temper, temperamental pedals of old. Yes, exactly. So this thing now uh, it's you know it's got the thing about the clone theory. There are some problems with it just because of its age it's hard to tour with it doesn't have a light on it so you never know when it's on or off you just got to yeah. remember what whether you switched it on or off um, which right. is quite annoying so this new one's got a nice little light on it which makes life a lot easier and it's also got a, another little blue light to indicate you know the rate of the chorus effects which it, which the old one doesn't have so it's got a few things that the old one doesn't have that um are very useful too. right as well as sounding brilliant really and it's got the uh, the edge button which is like the bright switch on the original yes button. yeah, yeah. yeah. Because the original ones, I mean, sometimes we can, we, we played a show in Mexico in March and the old Electroharmonic's clone theory was picking up the air traffic control from the airport, <laughs> <I loved it.
0: laughs>
1: which is quite interesting while we were trying to play. So this one That's has That's kind of cool though. In a, in a, in it sounds kind of weird. Way, weird. <laughs> yeah, because the gig was right next to the airport. yeah um, so right now, of Spinal Tap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So <laughs> this one has a few little nice new features that basically make it... Um, very useful compared to the old one, and and you know it means you can leave the old one at home for the first time ever, which is sad, but also you know quite a um, quite a compliment to past FX that they pulled it
0: off. Yeah, well, I think everybody that's a new one for us. We love Ooh. that's that's one of the things we love about this portion of the show is that every single time we do it we learn something new about some new pedal yeah. and uh it's it's really fantastic i can't
1: even i can't remember whether whether i found it or someone told me about it i think i might have got i think it might have been somebody sending a message because I, I run all my dad's bands uh social media uh-huh. as well i think somebody sent a message there going have you tried this have you tried this and i sort of dismissed it because we've gone through so many (laughs) and and then uh, I thought I'll just go back and have a look and I ordered one while I was in Australia tried it and it was brilliant so thank you to uh, that person who steered us onto that.
0: Fantastic
1: Mm. how about number three so number three I've gone for a fuzz pedal and it's the diabolic Justin meldal Johnson signature fuzz pedal by Maleco okay which is an amazing pedal, and usually with, um, I guess most bass players can probably attest to this, when you when you start using fuzz pedals, you tend to lose a lot of the bottom end of your bass sound. Mm-hmm. Sort of the, the fuzz effect can kind of take over from the bass, almost. And um, Justin Meldar Johnson, who's an amazing bass player, who's played with Beck and Ninish Nails and various other bands, uh, develop this fuzz pedal with Maleco and it's designed so that you don't lose that bottom end. So you can have this amazing fuzz bass sound without losing your bass. <laughs> so I do really like that one. That's, uh, I need to get my bass
0: player that, gee, many Christmas. Mm. Wait, yeah, cause that's one of the things we've tried so many different fuzzes. Um, and one thing that we, that we ran across, um, uh, I mean, we didn't run across it. The uh, doctor no sent it to us, and it was the Colossus, mm. and so we we've been using that, which also has a bit of an octave thing on it too, which is kind of cool. But um, it's still, um, I think, what you're saying is is you get the clarity of the fuzz with with the impact of the bass.
1: Yeah, you, yeah. it just it, it, you don't lose anything when yeah. you. I mean, I I tend to notice that if you're playing a song that maybe has a little bit of it that requires some fuzz and you switched you switch your pedal on you can lose it feels like as we would say in england the ass falls out of the track
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
1: you sort of lose that um you sort of lose that that low end and that this pedal is designed to to combat that and it does it in a really good way so thank that's you that's
0: great just to- i mean that's two other people we get to try to get on the show i love this that's great mm. um i'm i mean i'm familiar with mecco for meleco for um a couple of other pedals but uh, not this one yeah it's oh. cool and it, and it looks cool too it's like bright blue and bright pink right it's and it's affordable striking. it's 149 yes. bucks that's yes. great
1: all right Bass players. I got, are, I got mine secondhand right? from an, from another bass player friend of mine, a guy called Fred Sublan, who plays in deftones now. He put me onto huh. that pedal. Oh, uh,
0: yeah. Okay. Oh, I wonder if there was any Drew Foppy crossover with No, you there. there possibly was one. <laughs> <laughs> That guy knows everybody. I know. Uh, all right. Cool. How about the last one?
1: I think the, the last one people would probably find boring, but I just really like it and it's easy to use it would just be a boss dd7 digital delay i just like it because it's simple that would be one that i would always have on my board boss boss i've never heard of yeah little (laughs) known company (laughs) yeah i
0: mean you can't go wrong with those what what i think is is fascinating is in the delay line right in the -hmm. in the dd line we've had people who swear by almost every single number in the entire lineup. Yep. <laughs> and, yep. It's, and, it's, but, and they all have their different reasons for doing that, mm-hmm. which I think is really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, well, Jack, you've, uh, you've brought us to a, a, a rough, I'm going to say a rough grand total of 1,292 Ooh. pedal options from, <laughs> our four, our, from our collective four on the floor. I'm brilliant. Like That's pretty that. great. Not yeah either. That's very nice Ladies and gentlemen You just You've been given Twelve hundred <laughs> Over Almost thirteen hundred One million options Possibilities Of recommends <laughs> From people that you Want to get those Recommends from Not some You know Not some Tony on the street You know <laughs> Yeah
1: that's cool <laughs> Hey I got a pedal for you kid
0: Alright Well uh Jack it's about that time We find out A little bit about you Mm-hmm. Um we what do you want to know well uh, <laughs> yeah. we're gonna we're gonna get into some lightweight stuff but but please feel free to offer up everything that you can L- mm. let's just start just really quick you uh, um you're going on your like 10th consecutive tour in the la in like nine years if you know what i'm saying
1: yeah i guess so if you <laughs> if you if you discount the the covid um darkness then yeah yeah i guess we've just been we've been doing a lot yeah it's
0: pretty remarkable because there's not a lot of bands that i mean i'd be i'd be surprised if you could if you could list more than five bands that have been literally toured every single year for, the, for like that last 10 years maybe mm. iron maiden okay yeah they haven't <laughs> they they've toured consecutively for 45 years but yeah exactly in these days and times, that is a difficult feat to pull off, mm. especially with the size of show that you guys are doing. Mm-hmm. What can can you enlighten us as what you might attribute to to being able to do that?
1: I guess the main thing is that we enjoy it. You know, it's a good. It feels like a good time to to be playing in this band. Everyone's everyone's getting on great. Everyone's enjoying the shows. And uh, you know the the band is putting out new material all the time that is interesting and that people want to hear and it, I guess that keeps us it keeps us all going. Yeah, I mean I, I love getting sent new tracks to learn. I love learning old tracks. You know, it's it's all exciting to me as a as a fanboy of the Pumpkins, which I still am. And uh, yeah, so it's it's been a great time to sort of be involved. Now, in those tours, you've literally
0: been all over the world. There's probably maybe only three and a half countries that you've never been to, right?
2: And <laughs> Antarctica.
0: Yeah. Now that now. Well, they'll they'll shoot a video there for some reason. I'm sure. <laughs> Fingers crossed. B- Billy in full makeup on the top of some like iceberg, icy, icy peak
2: with penguins. That'd be amazing. Yeah, uh, that sounds good. with the With the Northern Lights behind him and all that stuff. Well, Come on, Antarctica would be in the Southern Hemisphere, so it would not be the Northern Lights. Well, yeah, oh, around you, the you just got you just got fact checked. I did. I did. <laughs> that's
1: that's my <laughs> role on the on yeah, the podcast. This, this um this podcast will be coming with a misinformation label.
2: <laughs> yeah,
0: uh, that. that. That actually reminds me of uh, uh, something I saw recently, which was uh, um, they were reporting. It was like Trinidad and Tobago are going to send a rocket to the moon. It was like a a news story that they were doing. (laughs) We're going to send a rocket to the moon. And then uh, the U.S. scientist said, you can't, or no, to the sun. they said you can't send it to the sun it's going to melt and they said well we're going to send it in the nighttime (laughs) and and i and it looked like a legit newscast i don't know if it was a spoof or not but it was just it was funny um that makes sense though i mean yeah (laughs) in Uh, a way (laughs) (laughs) yeah it still gets me it's hilarious anyways um so aside from those aside from antarctica um do you have a standout venue?
1: Mm. Uh let me think. I mean, we played the, the last the final show of last year we played at the Hollywood Bowl, which is pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 That's pretty on the list of uh pretty high up on the list of places I never thought I'd get to play. So that was cool, I gotta say. And to do it with Jane's Addiction too. Um mm-hmm. obviously in LA, which was their big hometown gig. Yeah. as well as being one of the pumpkins strongest markets that was a big uh, that was a big night. So that that would be up there for sure. Yeah. That's uh that's pretty
0: epic. That's about Ooh. as uh as Los Angeles as it gets. Yeah, yeah totally. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Okay. Um how about um in in all of these tours have you just been on uh like a band lineup that you're like I this is a dream state right now.
1: Mate, honestly, all these recent tours that we're doing—it's as if I booked it. I'm like, do I want to play with Jane's Addiction? Yes. And, <laughs> and then right now, do I want to play with Stone Temple Pilots? Yes. <laughs> and then ne- next week, do I want to play with Interpol? Yes. It's honestly, it's like I booked it. It's insane. Oh wow! Uh, mm. You mentioned Jane's Addiction, and
0: Jane's Addiction was a massive influence uh on me early on i need to yeah. oh my gosh you know eric's my favorite bass player of all time for well sure. there we go that's where i was gonna go with that yeah, um, yeah. Is, is knowing that uh, if he was an influence did, did you have you taken uh, any of what eric does uh into your own style ever
1: i think so it's it's weird when when i talk to eric because it's kind of like a full circle moment because I will tell him how much I love and am influenced by his bass playing. And then he will tell me how much he loves and was influenced by my dad's bass playing. So we sort of had this, we sort of have this weird uh, full circle kind of connection, which is fun.
2: Nice. That is cool. Yeah.
1: We were uh,
0: uh, lucky enough to see uh, Jane's open up for pumpkins here in in Cleveland. And Mm. um, that was pretty epic. No, yeah man no, i mean
1: i mean i knew i knew that that tour was coming for a few months before it was all announced and then uh, i found out just a couple of days before um the tickets were on sale that eric was coming back so that was, that yeah. was huge. <laughs> that was
0: that honestly that that was like one of the biggest stories in i guess for lack of better terms all rock and roll and yeah. i don't know how long i mean because yeah yeah oh, it had been 15 years incredible
1: um, and, um it's just it's, it's funny but it's just like I mean, I saw Jane's Addiction many, many times while he was out of the band, and Chris Chaney, an incredible bass player, and I've seen some incredible Jane's Addiction gigs, but when you hear Eric play those bass lines, something happens. I don't know, it's just hard to describe. It just feels like, it's, it's, you know, I don't know. Something happens, something good happens. Yeah, yeah. It just feels right. It felt right that he was back playing those tunes again. It was, it was fun to be able to watch it every night
0: i can imagine i mean it was it was so special from the audience um i can only imagine doing that uh every night and then probably uh, eking out some sort of a kinship
1: with uh with eric too so oh uh, yeah totally It's super nice yeah and we text a lot about uh, manchester united because <laughs> he f- follows my uh, football team for some yeah. reason <laughs> like, no, we're not doing very well <laughs> yeah no
0: they it, it hasn't been a good run as of late but no. uh, um so okay so you, you we mentioned touring we're going to talk i just want to talk about this a little bit um uh, we do have some questions i'm going to pepper in so let me get off of of mm-hmm. uh, our line of thinking here we got a question from uh, michael van Zandt, one of our supporters uh, and this is a guy who he when he was at the, the pumpkin show i believe um i can't remember which show it might have been like chicago um he was he was like facetiming me mm-hmm. while he was watching it because he knew i liked it right. and i was like man so he's a fan of the show he's supported the show and he's like in the midst of all this you know what I should do? I should I should show this to Todd right now and it it blew me away. I I I that was a, a very touching thing. But, yeah, that's nice. That's nice. He he loves the pumpkins. Okay? Right. Okay. So he he has he gave us a couple of questions here. Uh Go first, on, what were you originally attracted? Uh were you orig- were you originally attracted to the bass guitar?
1: Uh I think for me, it was just kind of a default situation, just that we had bass guitars in our house because of my dad, and I just started picking it up when I was 11, 12, and getting excited when I learned how to play Smoke on the Water or something <laughs> equally easy. And then it all just kind of progressed from there. So um, it was more sort of uh, the default instrument in our household.
2: Now, do-, do you ever pick up you know, a regular guitar maybe... And pound on uh, the piano a little I mean, bit, or drums? Oh No, I'm terrible at most other
1: instruments. I can play a few guitar cards, but no, I would never want to do that in public. <laughs> <laughs> especially, not, especially not when you look at the uh, three guitar players well, that I'm playing with. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nobody, nobody wants to make me play
0: guitar. Me. <laughs> uh, speaking about picking up the bass in your house, it, were you initially um, drawn to your dad's music, um, Joy Division and New Order?
1: uh I mean the the answer that everybody wants is yes right the, the truth really is no, no. <laughs> uh, it's just I don't know I mean it, it it's weird when you when you grow up alongside something you kind of don't realize what it means to other people does that make sense sure sure and um, um for me it's just like well that's just his job and he goes and does it and I like I like some of the tunes but you know I wouldn't ever go and listen to an album but that's just that's just the way I, I grew up I was listening to a lot heavier music as we talked about mm-hmm. stuff that he would absolutely hate um <laughs> so the the answer really was no until um he started touring because mm-hmm. um, New Order broke up in 2006 right my dad started going out on his own playing that material in 2010 and um he's never been the best at singing and playing at the same time which is a especially hard skill to develop when you're 35 years into your career
0: Mm. uh
1: so he came up with the idea of having two bass players in his band so that he could sort of come in and out on the bass while also doing the vocals so that opened up a spot for a bass player in his band so that meant that i would be learning and doing deep dives into that material. So two thousand and ten really was where it all kicked off for me with Joe Division and New Order. And and now I absolutely love the music and totally get it. But when I was a kid it kinda didn't really register until until I had to. <laughs> no, that makes perfect <laughs> sense. It's quite interesting. Yeah. It
2: makes perfect sense because I think, you know, oh, mm. kids always want to rebel against, you know, their parents or what their parents are listening to for for the yeah, most exactly. part. So, that, yeah, that makes total sense.
0: And it must mm. be exciting now that, uh, you know, they're kind of touring again and stuff.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, it's cool. My dad's my dad's never stopped since uh, 2010 doing his own solo tours. And initially, it was only supposed to be one show in manchester that developed into 13 years of uh, (laughs) global touring and whenever i'm not with the pumpkins i go back to playing shows with him so i mean we we finished this current tour on september the 10th maybe and then i've got a show with my dad a month later in the uk so i'll be going straight back into rehearsals for that so it's cool just try and keep both going that's cool super cool Mm -hmm. All right, back to the questionnaire, as it
0: were. You mentioned mm-hmm. the three guitars. Um, I, the first thing I remember, um, the, uh, the first show that I saw you play at uh, was actually here in Columbus, um, and that was, I think it might have been, uh, I think it was the Silver Tour. Uh, mm-hmm. and I'm pretty sure that was it. Um, but that was the one at the shot, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, and it had been a while. Um, since they'd been playing around. So uh, that was – anyways, we were there. So point being, I remember watching you, because we had been through uh, – Drew introduced us to everybody and all that stuff, and, and uh-huh. um, I remember looking at this, this row because we were over uh, kind of on the side, and I was looking down this row of, <laughs> of, of like, you know, the pantheon of, of modern guitar mm-hmm. and, and you. Right. And, and I'm like, <laughs> m- not like. Well, what is You're he doing like, now? who's that guy? Well, Mike. <laughs> the thing that I was wondering is like, how are, how are you finding yourself sonically in this blitz of guitar, which it's hard enough for them to to you know have their own place. Uh, you mm. know, it's it's that is a finely tuned machine, although it sounds yeah. like a complete you know steamroller. But mm-hmm. I, I'm
1: very curious about this. I mean, it's interesting because when I first started playing with the Pumpkins, uh, James Eha hadn't come back at that point. So I was playing with Jeff and Billy. Right. And it was a four-piece with me on bass. And then it was 2018 when James came back and we added that extra guitar, which if you know anything about the Pumpkins back catalogue, adding guitars makes total sense because some of these some of these songs yeah. have got 20 odd layers of guitar on it right them. uh so <laughs> it makes sense really to to have that sort of three guitar mm-hmm. attack and i remember uh for that for that tour where james had, may, james hadn't played in the band since 2000 i don't think so it was a long time we actually did something like two and a half months of rehearsals mm-hmm. mainly just for the three of them to figure out how they were going to pull this off without getting in each other's way you know yeah and um so from my perspective and probably me and jimmy too the drummer we just sort of get everything as as dialed in as we can at our end and then leave it up to the three of them to to sort of float on top of us you know yeah (laughs) so it's it's quite straightforward for me really um I'm, I'm sure it's a lot more difficult for the guitar players to figure out who's going to do what and dialing in sounds and all those crazy effects that they have and all the magic that they do. Um, but for, for me and Jimmy, we just try and get as tight and as, as locked in as we can to sort of enable them to, to go off, which is which as a Pumpkins fan is what I want to hear. Yeah. So <laughs> it seems to be working, which is great.
0: Did you have to adjust your your actual tone at all with the especially with the addition of james i didn't change a thing mate really nothing no. okay yeah.
2: well
1: then we're done with that question we'll move on. <laughs> okay well that was a fun
2: <laughs> podcast yeah, totally. yeah.
1: i wish i wish i could say oh i had to do this and i had to do that but honestly i, did, I didn't really change anything that's it fair. just play. um it just from the first rehearsal the i think the first song we all played was chair rack and it was like there you go it just sounds massive yeah <laughs> it's gonna be great
2: <laughs> don't, yeah. don't touch anything on uh on on this story are you still i think the last couple times we've seen you guys uh mm. you've had cabinets and things kind of under the stage and mostly yeah. it was done through in-ear mm-hmm. is is that still not the, the last one oh it was uh,
0: well no actually billy had this huge all of the heads up there. There's just like yeah, the heads
2: twelve are up heads. There, but the cabinets. The aren't. cabs are, yeah, yeah, are down yeah, below. Yeah, yeah. But uh, in terms of monitoring or hearing yourself, mm-hmm. is, are are you still doing in ear or? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you if you
1: stand on the side of our stage, all you'll hear is drums. Yeah. Um. All the cabinets are in. ISO, ISO boxes mm-hmm. either underneath or behind the stage all individually mic'd up and so it sounds amazing in the inner, you know because there's nothing bleeding into anything else mm-hmm. you get this really clear crisp sound which I'm sure the front of house guy loves as well so
2: yeah that's I mean that that's one thing if you you know at least as I remember hearing the the mix out in the audience it was mm. it was I mean you could literally hear things the way that that you're supposed to hear them yeah as opposed yeah, to something it, overpowering or yeah, yeah, you know creating yeah, it's, mud it's,
1: on the stage it's definitely loud but it's clear at yeah. the same time and uh stuart our sound guy stuart bennett does a really good job at bringing that across
2: so so what are you using in terms of uh you know cabinetry and and amps uh so right now with the pumpkins i'm playing ampeg
1: which is what i've been doing ever since i've been in the band at the moment i'm using the 50th anniversary uh heritage amps and cabinets so i have uh, two heads on stage one as a main one as a backup very simple mm-hmm. and then um my 8b10 uh cabinet is at the back in a in an iso box mic'd up and i don't have a single pedal oh. so i just i just plug from the bass straight into the amp and then, there's uh, as Jeff always says, it's all in the fingers, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: wow.
1: Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I don't
0: even know how you'd run a pedal. Again, with all that, there's so much going on. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: So, yeah. I mean, there's, there's, there's certain songs that um, maybe, like on this tour, we're playing, we're opening with the, a song called The Everlasting Gaze, which if you hear the original the bass is super heavy distortion but when we actually come to play it you know i rock up with these pedals trying getting ready to try and start recreate that sound and then uh, billy will say no no i want it i want it clean it's, it's, it's gonna sound heavy enough you know what i mean because yeah. we're playing in like c or something crazy so we tend to uh, just keep the bass as is got it got
0: it um and then you're on your the, guitars, you're
1: Yamaha. Yes, all Yamaha, yeah. So I have, uh, God, at the moment, right now on this tour, I'm traveling with nine basses. Uh, six get used in the show because we play with in six different tunings. Hmm. And then I have three backups. And they are uh, eight of the nine are Yamaha BB734A, Um, and then the other one is an old, uh, through neck BB 1200 S, which is the same model of bass that my dad made very famous. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I always count on the Japanese for amazing. Yeah. (laughs) No, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting because, uh, I, my dad's got a lot of these BB 1200 S active guitars and, um, they don't come up very often. And when they do, he tends to buy them all, which this is a lot <laughs> uh, And when we were in Australia, again, I, I, this was a very fruitful trip to Australia in April. I came away with a new pedal and a new guitar. Um, someone was selling a BB-1200S in sort of natural wood finish, which I've never seen before. Usually they're all, in, they're all this kind of dark red color. I'd never seen one like that before, so I thought, well, I've got to buy it. And I'm using it in this show and it's got a, a, a different sound to the rest of my guitars just because it's a through neck you know nice do you, are you are you favoring that one I'm using it on one song and I'm already thinking like for the next tour I've gotta I've gotta use it more yeah because it just feels really good but like you were saying before about the weight of guitars it's like three times as heavy as all the others mm-hmm so I don't know if I'd want to play it for a whole show, but yeah. it's very cool. It sounds really good. I'm using it on a on a track called "The Celestials" at the moment, um, off the Pumpkins' Oceania album, mm-hmm. and the bass is very uh, prominent on that track. Mm-hmm. So I thought I'd try I'd try the through neck just to sort of keep sort of dial in a different kind of sound for that track, so right. make it a bit more pokey, and uh, it seems to be working. Excellent.
0: Um. I'm going to let me dip back in here. Uh, What has, uh, here's this one is from uh, uh, Nicholas Poppin. What is your favorite pasta?
1: (laughs) You know what, right? I like making pasta that's dead simple with just, I'll make like spaghetti and then I'll just use olive oil, chili flakes, garlic, and lemon juice. That's it. That's That's all you need. A little bit of pasta water and then just bind all that together. I promise you, you will not look back. Simple, cheap, and
2: very filling. How about some parmesan cheese?
1: I don't go I don't go there. No. Yeah, I'm not I'm not a big cheese guy personally. It, he would have said that, Tony. I
2: know. You've insulted the man's recipe. Well, I yeah, just exactly. want I wanted to offer him a little uh
1: as as with extra. my uh as with my base setup again, less is more.
0: <laughs> noted. Noted. So that's what tony's here for less
2: yeah (laughs) less is best yeah anyway i had a question uh concerning you know our our friends at eastwood guitars came out with the Mm -hmm. the the hooky bass uh have you had a chance to try any of those yeah 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 it's interesting
1: because uh obviously like the main guitar that my dad used was the yamaha four string but he also has a lot of very iconic sounds that were written on a six string Mm -hmm. and uh the six string bass that he used was uh it's called a marathon it's by a company called shergold Mm
2: -hmm.
1: we're around in the sort of late 70s early 80s and i believe they only ever made 95 of these shergold marathon six string basses and um that is what my dad got hold of and went on to write some of the biggest tunes on but obviously, those guitars are super rare. And again, when they come up, he tends to buy them, which pisses everyone off. <laughs> and, uh, so Eastwood came up with the idea of doing a copy because uh, Shergold does still exist as a company. They've mm-hmm. sort of, the brand has been sort of reignited. I'm not sure whether it's by anyone who's to do with this original people but they've definitely revived the brand and they're making guitars but they're not doing anything to do with bases mm-hmm. as of as of yet anyway so uh, mm. the closest you can get if you can't find one of these Shergold marathons is to get hold of the eastwood Hookie bass six which is good and they've, they've done a really good job i mean it, it, when you hold it it feels exactly the same as the Shergold, right down to the just the weight of it the look of it just the feel of it in your hands the neck they, they did an amazing job at copying absolutely everything that they could um, I think they had a little bit of difficulty with the pickups just because it's such a specific kind of weird um, pickup that I won't even pretend to know a lot about um, but I think that was the only thing that um, to me was like it's you know that's the only sonic small difference was just down to the pickups but we yeah. we use them on tour and um you know getting my dad to change a 40-year habit <laughs> and and play something new is the biggest advert for that gear that you can get really oh well, that's pretty cool yeah so he it, does actually use it on tour
2: i mean um, as as a you know i guess you would call yourself a standard four string bass player what, mm. what, what's your take on jumping onto a six string bass
1: i mean initially for me when i started having to do it in his band i was totally freaked out by it but mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh, after after a while you sort of do get used to it and it, it and you can get some really nice interesting sounds out of it um especially you know combined with the with the chorus pedal you just get that total Peter hook sound yeah i mean if you, if you i would recommend people to go listen to a A new artist song called dreams never end which is off the it's the first track off the first album and um, the first thing you hear is the six string bass with the with the old electroharmonics pedal it's just a it's just an iconic sound that you would never be able to get from a four string right it's just different
2: Do you do you tune e to e or yeah
1: yeah it's just it's essentially just like a baritone guitar Mm -hmm. it's tuned exactly like a guitar so a guitar player could pick it up and play it yeah um and it's it's very very specific sound like i don't i I gotta be careful because i don't want to get into slagging anyone off but obviously new order tours now without my dad right and um the guy that's playing bass in new order doesn't have this equipment and it's such a specific sound Mm -hmm. that i don't understand why but it feels like you would have to have that if you were trying to replicate that sound, you know. It so. is
0: pretty remarkable. I mean, if you if you said, uh, name one other bass player that, with maybe one or two notes, you could tell who that was, mm. um, just on tone alone, mm-hmm. and maybe maybe a little bit of attack. Yeah, I mean. that's a small pool of people if any Mm -hmm. i'm that is a remarkable accomplishment
1: yeah 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 probably accidental but
0: remarkable nonetheless yeah
1: i think i think to be honest a lot of it was by accident (laughs) yeah Yeah. like you said i mean he he had i mean he's obviously famed for playing high up the neck and that was done just because his amp was so bad that all he could hear was the high notes (laughs) and then um you know it was like oh that actually sounds quite cool i'll do that and then you come up with some sort of iconic bass line like she's lost control which is all high up on the g string which is yeah. unusual for bass players I've sort of uncharted territory for some bass players and um so a lot of it is by accident yeah but then sort of you hone it over the years and make it your own and um that's what he did yeah but it's it's some of the some of the equipment is so specific to getting that sound like you really have to have the right the right stuff yeah. which is which is i think why eastwood were keen on doing the six string because it was like look nobody can get hold of these share goals yeah. yeah so let's do our best to try and try and make it available for people
0: yeah well speaking of you know defining his tone and all that stuff let's let's in regards to you because mm. you are jack Bates. <laughs> um <laughs> what has been your, this is from Michael Van Zant again, he's a bass player. So he's like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, what has been your journey to establish your own style and tone?
1: I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm following a very similar path to my dad in that I love Yamaha basses And I think historically, certainly in, in the pumpkins, the, the bass has always been a Fender Jazz or a P bass. And, um, It was sort of me that came in and suggested that I would try and play Yamahas, which everyone seems to be on board with. So it's sort of, um, again, you know, equipment that becomes specific to you. Like, I think I look weird holding a Fender. (laughs) And I don't think that I play as well when I'm holding a Fender. So it's just something, something feels right whenever I've got hold of a Yamaha, which is quite interesting because it's exactly the same as 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 my dad back in the day it's quite spooky
0: it lends itself to a slightly more modern um i don't know if it's if it's the sound of what it is it's just it's it's it just seems like it lends itself more to a modern sound mm. yeah i think so yeah you're not wrong um uh, uh, again along these lines a little bit um for this is from hello sailor uh who's a uh, he's a builder he's a very good friend of ours he's out of liverpool um, oh. he makes some fantastic stuff um okay and, and he's made most of it on on the ship that he's that he has been uh, assigned to oh wow so, so all these okay. little builds they built on the hms kent you know it's really cool oh interesting yeah um so he said what is your largest source of inspiration specifically as it relates to your musical endeavors which is different than the last question, I think.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, I get I get inspired very much by the people that I'm around, you know. And I look at, I look at someone like Billy Corgan, who's just never stops writing and putting out great new material that stands up amongst some of his classics, you know. And that I find that really inspiring, just the how prolific he is at putting out music and you know and then I I look at everybody else in the band you know Jimmy Chamberlain someone who's dedicated their life to their instrument for 50 years at this point and still gets up in the morning and practices you know that's inspiring Um, and you know people like Jeff and James who never stop tinkering with things on tour to find the, the exact right sound that they want you know it's like the relentless pursuit for uh, perfection which i find very inspirational and then you know i look at in i have to look no further than than my dad you know someone who's achieved so much over a again 50 year career that that is very inspiring so i don't have to look too far from home to uh, to get that inspiration that's uh that's I like
0: that yeah. That's really solid.
2: Now you Ooh. mentioned uh, Jimmy uh, practicing a lot. Do you find yourself practicing a lot, or is, do you find when you're touring, that's that's you know kind of all of the the play time that you need? I mean, I've
1: been lucky. Uh, if you if you don't count the the, the COVID uh, break, I've been lucky to kind of been going nonstop. So then when I get home, I don't tend to play that much. Mm-hmm. Um, but. I probably should practice a little bit
2: more. Than I do. I mean, I, I, we'll give you a pass. We'll right, give you a yeah. pass. Well, that's what that's what Billy told me. You should practice a little more. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um,
1: no, I mean I, I do. I do play at home, but yeah. certainly not not as much as uh, as much as I could. Let's be honest. Yeah.
2: Well, after a couple hours on stage and you know everything else, that that probably. It wears out your hands a little bit if you do it for weeks on yeah, end. Yeah,
1: exactly. I mean, it, it's it's funny with me. It's like um, when I come off a tour like this one. This is like an eight week tour. I'll think like, wow, I've just played more bass in the span of eight weeks than I did in like the previous, you know, six <laughs> months or something. Yeah. So it, when you when you think about it like that, it actually eases itself up.
0: Uh, <laughs> Jack, we got a couple more questions for you, and then we're gonna we'll we'll round third and head home. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, let's see here. Um, this is from Stax Effects um, mm-hmm. at a Long Beach, over near Huntington Beach. Area. Oh, it's cl- close to where I am right now. Yeah, yeah that's correct. Um, he says, "What is your typical bass recording setup?" It sounds killer. I'm assuming that it, in that question is is also like, is that different than your than your live s- setup?
1: No, it, it really wouldn't be. If I was recording, I'd just use exactly the same stuff as I would play. Because um, simple is better. Yeah, for me, yeah, 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 totally. Right. I'm tracking. I'm tracking. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, yeah, that that can be the uh, that can be the title of the podcast. <laughs> as simple as <laughs> I, mean, I just I like to keep things simple, and because that way there's less things that could go wrong. Right. But, uh, so that's what I like to do
0: now we you were talking about your bases uh this is a a, a quick one i think you mm. you you started out basically on the Yamaha bases as mm-hmm. as you were told um as you told us do
1: you still have your first bases this is from brad winters yes i do have it it's uh it's a yamaha r b x three seventy which and it's uh dark green covered in very childish stickers <laughs> that when I was twelve <laughs> or thirteen and I still have it. Yeah, it's in a, it's at my house in a in a soft case in the uh, in the attic. Yeah, wow. I still have it. I've not played it for a long time, but I do still have it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Tony just made a bow, <laughs> a,
0: a bow <laughs>
1: shape. <laughs> totally. You're probably, you're probably not wrong, but I remember uh, when when I must have been about twelve when I went. My dad bought it for me because uh, I started showing an interest in his guitars and I think he was like I don't want this kid messing with my guitar <laughs>
2: so I'll <buy> him. smart <laughs> I'll buy
1: him one of his own and I remember because uh, where was it I think it was called Sound Control in Manchester and uh, when we went in the guy gave us a discount if my dad would play some Joy Division riffs on it before we bought it so we actually got a discount. <laughs>
2: Whatever it takes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly.
1: Exactly. So I didn't even. We didn't even pay full price for it. But yeah, I do still have it somewhere.
0: That's great. Mm. Uh, now, if you were not playing with the pumpkins, mm. is who would be the? Uh, I guess a a dream uh, tour, or you know, even for maybe a night or two, if if it wasn't for a full thing.
1: Well, it's interesting that you should say that because. In oh. a few days, we're going to be joined on tour by Interpol. Ah. And that would be the answer for they're, me. They're fantastic. So I'm very excited to be touring with them because that is one of my uh, dream spots if i could fill in for i know that brad the bass player has been there for a very long time and does a very good job but if they ever needed someone i will and i will literally be there
2: early yeah
1: exactly put me in coach i'm yeah, ready right? yeah. uh, now and uh, i've got a suit as well so i'll fit in uh, yeah, of course you have to yeah. yes
0: um I think uh what, this is one of my own personal questions. I'm very curious to know, you know, you landed this big you're, you're known for being in the Pumpkins at this mm. point. Early days. What was what was that like coming up and how how did you leap from there into the Pumpkins?
1: Uh well, I mean, I started playing when I was about 12 or 13 and then I had a very uh short-lived band with my next-door neighbor. Um for a few months and then kind of didn't really go anywhere so I've just been jamming along at home and learning songs and whatever and then you know I was still going to college and uni at this point so it wasn't really it wasn't really something that I devoted a lot of time to Mm -hmm. Um, and then it was really just a case of my dad putting his band together in 2010 that sort of fast-forwarded me to, to dropping everything and becoming a becoming a musician and um so I started touring in his band 2010 uh and I still play with him now which is great obviously less because I'm out with the pumpkins quite a lot but I still like to float back in when I can uh, and um ever since 2010 every time we've gone to Chicago um, we would invite Billy down to the show either just to watch or to get up and play with us, which he's done several times, because my dad and Billy have got a very long-standing uh, friendship going back to probably mid to late 80s. Mm. Um, so I guess that would be where Billy saw me playing and thought, you know, in, when we got to 2015, thought maybe he could be a good fit for for the Pumpkins. So it all sort of progressed quite naturally, really. and yeah. It feels like... Um, everybody just feels like family you know even at the first even at the first rehearsal at the pumpkins obviously i was really nervous but i kind of felt like i knew everyone just because i'd been going to so many pumpkins gigs and you sure? been backstage with my dad to say hello and met everybody you know it wasn't like a it wasn't like a total uh, stranger coming in i felt like every, i felt like everybody kind of knew me and i kind of knew them and uh, that certainly helped with the uh, with the nerves but that wasn't to say i wasn't nervous because i was <laughs>
0: well but yeah I, I know that you've certainly made a friend in uh
1: in jeff i he spoke so highly of you multiple yeah. times no no i mean this is the thing i mean it became i, I thought in 2015 like yeah this is just going to be one tour you know and uh i knew that i'd made really good friends on that tour that i would keep forever like yeah. jeff and certain members of the crew but I still didn't think I'd still be doing it all this time later. So it is quite amazing. Mm. And, um, you know, yeah, it was, it was Jeff that called me to, to break the news to me that they wanted me to come play with him. I'll never, I'll never forget that. That was cool.
2: (laughs) That'd Um, be a great phone call.
1: I was, yeah, I was stood outside of a, I was stood outside of a venue called, uh, Republic in New Orleans about to play a show with my dad. I think it was it must have been like April twenty fifteen and it was, Oh hey, we're going on tour in uh, June and we don't have a bass player. And then obviously I said yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but then and then as soon as I hung up and I went, What have I just got myself into? <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, I remember going back in, everyone was like, You're all right, you look a bit pale. And I'm like, Yeah, I'm fine. I didn't I didn't tell anyone for no, like a week or so I could sort of process it myself. But
2: how did you break yeah. the news to your dad?
1: Uh, I can't you know what I can't remember the exact conversation I think the first thing he said was like what am I gonna do you know because he had (laughs) shows which is uh which is a very um a very valid question at that point yeah Yeah. uh, you know because I I do do a lot in my dad's sort of organization you know as well as playing the bass I do all the merch I do all the websites I do all the social media So it it is quite a lot. He was a bit. um, You got to
0: earn your allowance
1: still. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. He was a bit worried, I think, just about like what what's going to happen when he's gone. He's going to do all that. Yeah. And I still do most of it. Obviously, I can't do the bass playing, but I still do everything else, even though I'm not there. And then uh, as soon as he'd sort of done a few gigs without me, things got a bit easier because he was like, "Okay, I can do it. You know, you go and do your thing and then you'll come back. And, you know, so we sort of, as soon as he'd done it once, it was like, okay, we can do it without him, <laughs> which yeah. is what I was saying, you know, there's plenty of people that we can get to, to do this. And we've had we've had a lot of people who've filled in for me over the years who've done a great job. Uh, Daryl Clarkson was the first guy He's a very good musician from Manchester. And then uh, we've had, God, Fred who I mentioned before, has done it uh who's now playing in deftones he's played with my dad Uh, a guy called mike squires who also has a podcast called couch riffs he played oh yeah he played with my dad for, for a tour um and the guy that's filling in for me at the moment is a really really talented musician from liverpool uh funnily enough uh called paul duffy who also plays in a band called the coral um I'm familiar so with got, the coral. yeah yeah they've got a show next week where paul will be playing so it's quite fluid at the moment i sort of do the gigs i can do and paul does the gigs that i can't i do the gigs that paul can't you know so it's actually working out quite well at the moment nice yeah, um, so it's cool.
0: well if, if if you run out of people I, I think it would be pretty amazing um to get one of my absolute favorite bass players up there mm-hmm. manny oh wow yeah that'd
1: be interesting
0: make that, that ha- make that happen man <laughs> so uh, manny from the stone roses uh, yeah. you know uh most maybe most importantly and at least in my mind um mm-hmm. uh obviously he's done a, a few other things but uh uh i'm i'm a huge i, I lo- love the roses and uh yeah. and uh i think that was when i look at somebody on stage if i see them truly enjoying themselves even even in, even in concentration um, yeah. That makes an impact on me And that was one of the first people that I, I think I remember ever really seeing Like wow,
1: that dude's having that time of his life Yeah, he loves playing For sure, yeah now, Don't rule that out, don't rule that out, it could happen <laughs> <laughs> Uh,
0: well Jack This has been An absolute delight Talking with you um, We have uh, One little segment to, That we uh, Insist on doing With our guests And yes. it's mm-hmm. called It's Would you rather no, no, that, uh, What's this Ethel Merman thing <laughs> I like the Ethel Merman version Hey Would you rather <laughs>
2: I don't know What that is Alright It sounds ominous was Alright Tony uh, So this week's Would you rather Yes Yeah uh, And you just to give you a little pre-explanation Would you rather generally involves uh, Choices that you have to make That sometimes are not great Okay mm-hmm. It's sometimes the lesser of two evils mm-hmm. Well this week's Would you rather Is based on two of my favorite base books mm-hmm. uh, The first is Getty Lee's Big Beautiful base Book of bass, The Getty Lee Collection And the second is uh, bass culture, the John Entwistle collection. Mm. Mm -hmm. So, two bass players, right? Yep. Yep. Here's the twist: and there's an evil genie, you see, that grants you this wish. But the evil genie is just being a little bit mean He's mischievous Yeah, mischievous He's gr- Ms- a green man, Alicia. Yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> there you go So, here are your two options You can choose uh, to play uh, John Entwistle's Fenderbird, Which is a Thunderbird body with a bolt-on fender neck mm-hmm. With Rush But you also have to sing like Getty <sighs> which Which begs the question, does Getty sound like a regular guy? Talk like a regular guy? I know him, and he does. Thank you, pavement. Um, the other option is to play uh, Getty Lee's uh, double neck Rickenbacker, which is a, a bass neck with a twelve string neck mm-hmm. in the who mm-hmm. so. Ooh, so very I mean, funny. straight away. <laughs> I would. I
1: would. Uh, I'm guessing you're the, not
2: going for the double neck. <laughs>
1: no, straight away I would pick the option that did not involve singing. Ah, the, by default I would have to go for the for the double neck.
2: Well, you will have to sing my wife though. That was the Ooh. John Entwhistle song. Nobody wants to hear me sing, man. I'll tell you that. <laughs> but
1: I have got there's 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 two connect two weird connections since you brought that up. so a few years ago, I actually bought geddy lee's big bucket bass for my dad for ah, christmas nice and he loved it so that was the first connection and the second connection is that i have actually played two of john entwistle's bass guitars
2: oh no because
1: kidding. my dad bought two of them at auction oh, wow. after he died which two were they he bought an acoustic which he's still got um i can't remember for the life of me what the what make it is which is really bad but I can't remember um, but it's a really nice acoustic bass which is the only bass that he writes on these days oh wow which is cool so it's sort of had a second uh, lease of life with another legendary that bass player mean. And then he bought an electric one. Again, this is going to be really bad, but I can't remember. <laughs> I mean, there's just there's just so there's so many. I wish I, I wish I knew. If I knew we were going to talk about it, I would have done my research and oh. asked my dad what it what it was. But
2: um, <laughs> we'll save it for he, next time. How's that sound? He had yeah. He had he had
1: that, and has since sort of sold it on. But we we did have two in the house for a while, which is really pop. cool. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And speaking of heavy guitars, that was the heaviest guitar I've ever seen in my life.
2: Oh yes, the ox could could, could could yeah, could carry totally. some
1: heavy basses. Yeah, so there is a connection to both those things there.
2: Well, that's cool. So I'm <laughs> guessing you're going with the uh, the double neck. The double neck. I am because it involves less singing, and nobody wants to hear me sing. So <laughs> well, especially like Getty, I will do. I'll Getty do the Lee. world. I'll do
1: the world a favor by uh, choosing the second option.
2: (laughs) And the world appreciates it. (laughs) No problem. Well, you know, for myself, I'm going to join you, even though those double-neck Rickenbackers are extremely heavy and kind of hard to play. But I think I would get a kick out of playing the 12-string neck uh, Mm. with Pete Townsend glaring at me because, of course, Pete used to play a 12-string Rick. Back yep. in the back in the early days, and I I, I might even try to uh, uh, do the lead from uh, uh, my generation or something like that on the twelve-string neck, just to, yeah, just, to just to upset Pete a little. Just a I've, always
1: want, I've always wanted to have a twelve-string bass, but I've never uh, never made
2: it yet. Mm. Mm. One day, maybe someday, Todd. Mm-hmm. What's it going to be?
0: Well, I'm just tempted because I think it would be. Pretty bombastic to to bust out uh, temples of seren.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, why not? If you're gonna do it, In go baritone. big.
1: <laughs> go totally, big. Go yeah. big. Why I not? I like that. I like that. <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah, uh, we got to thank yeah, a few I've, people. I've never seen. Um, I just just to wrap this up. I, I just say I've never seen my dad as as uh, blown away as he was when. We uploaded the photo of him with the big bucket of bass and he got the like on Instagram from Geddy Lee. He was very yeah. That's cool. He was very, very happy. That's like cool. A, like nice. A Yeah.
0: (laughs) Look, look, look. (laughs) He likes me. He really likes me. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, That's neat.
2: That is actually neat.
0: We are going to say thank you to a few people, and then we're going to let Mr. Jack Bates go and uh, have a good time (laughs) out with his pals.
2: I think that's right. So at this point of the show, Todd, you are correct. There is a special group of people we love to thank. These are our executive producers. Now, you might be wondering what an executive producer is. Well, an executive producer makes this show possible. How do you become one? Very easy. Head over to patreon.com forward slash knobs. Check out a couple different levels in which you can participate. Become a sponsor, a patron, a hero. A hero, indeed. Of the podcast. Yes. Um, Each level comes with some very nice thank you gifts, as Todd alluded to earlier. And Mm -hmm. we can always use some more. So send in those stickers and pics and anything else that you want us to give to our listeners. But as an executive producer, Todd, you know, there's one thing more. Do you know what that is? Uh, They get to have their name read on the thing. Your name read on the thing. That's what I'm going to do right now. So special thanks to these executive producers. Moon Guitars Vader Pedals John Helverson, Rick Calhoun Trevor Gunberg, Ilad Mizrahi Mike Dee Richard Kendall Mark Garten James White Justin Jones Anthony Gemalero Bill Gola Guitars John Esterley, Anthony Lathrop Stefan Lamb Michael Sanchuk Ken Sayers Doug Crist Darren Gregory Tom Barazin Rusty Sneeden Ralph Gottschalk Don Kloss Gregory Randall, Brett Hogarth, Eric Hemmer, Stuart George, Michael Furman, James Bell, James Romer, Cameron Pampas, David Tyndall, Trevor Ellenberg, and Christopher Logan. Indeed. Thank, Thank you. you so very much. Oh, to wait, Todd, but there's more because we have a very special group of executive producers. We call them our grand Poobas. Yes. These fine folks get a fez to wear upon their heads. Mm-hmm. They are the top of the heap. The cream of the crop. A number one. <laughs> Top of the heap. Yes. So special, special thanks to these Grand Poobas. Tommy Manasco. Ricardo Iguereda. David Kaminga. Brandon Wound Pickups. Hicks Matos. Michio Murakishi. Bob Crouch. Jack Cadian. Sam Jett. Tyler Rines. LSJ Music Company. John Williams. James Pennington. Adam Johnson. Steve Keyes. Cody Foster, Science of Sound, uh, Brian Robison, Jonathan Jerusic, Corey Nigro, Michael Van Zant, Tim Nowak, Jonathan Daly, Martin Cliff, Sean S., David Poe, Billy Spitfire Unlimited, Congregation Gear Demos, Paul Van Eppinger, Scott Sullivan, Great Lakes Guitar Pickups, and Matt Hart. Indeed. Thank you you all so very
0: much. You keep the show going. We cannot do it without you. Uh, If you're interested in joining that illustrious crew, please check out Patreon, uh, the Guitar Knobs, and um, uh, we'll send you some really cool bits. We're about to give away a couple of DIY pedal Building kits from, from, uh, from Copper, Sound. Copper Sound, so that's the kind of stuff uh, among many others. As we go into fall, we tend to get more of that stuff, so we're uh, excited about this. Jack Bates, uh, where can people find you doing your thing in the near future, uh, etc.?
1: Our pumpkins on tour in North America until September the tenth. And then I will be playing with my dad uh, across the U.K. in October with Peter Hook and the Light. So just search for Smashing Pumpkins, or Peter Hook and the Light, and you will find us basing away.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Indeed,
2: indeed. Uh, Tony, where can people find you? And over to pickguardian.com. Check out some of the things that I have available for sale right there on the website. But by and large, what I do is custom work. So shoot me an email. Let me know what you need, what you're trying to do. I might have some advice for you.
0: Yeah, you made the uh, amazing pickguard on Jerry, which I posted. Ah, Jerry. Tonight, yes. Uh, and you can DM me at uh, on Instagram at guitar knobs. You can also shoot me an email, Todd at the We'd love to hear from you. Um, please check out uh, Valentino's new uh, new single. We're about to re- release another one. Uh, actually next next week, which will be this week. So it will be out, I believe. So check that out. And, Mr. Jack Bates, thank you so much for the time that you have shared with our, <coughs> not only us, but our entire audience.
1: Thank you for, ha- for having us
0: on. Please say hello to the other guys uh, as you're I will. having a I good will. time tonight. Thank you so much for your time, man.
1: Nice one. Thanks for having us on. It's been All right. fun. Okay.
0: Have a good week. See and you uh, Have a fantastic guitar week, everybody, and subscribe! Oh, yeah! Uh, you got Tony... Dudzik, aka Tony Baloney, aka Tanya
2: Bolansky,
1: <laughs> uh,
2: sitting across. From I right have now. many anonymous. Yes. As, as, as. Um, do we have a? Would you? Uh, no. Okay. We
0: need that, and you're gonna do oh, it. Oh,
2: for God's sakes,
0: man! I do the. Thing, that's the I mean, one I've got to
2: do you everything around here. Everything. <laughs> So this will be a five-hour exploration, <laughs> deep dive. No one wants to hit me for five hours, man. Well, you don't know Todd. Todd will eat up two and a half of that. Yeah, that's enough. <laughs> oh, wait. Did we lose Jack? <laughs>
0: um, we don't actually have a podcast. We just wanted to talk to you for
1: a <laughs> It's all an elaborate. Uh,
0: yeah. So well, far, let's get, Which, yeah, we get into that. Oh, yeah, don't sorry. All the don't answer, don't answer that question. Do not that. answer that question. Oh, oh yeah. dear God. Todd. Well, um,
2: no. <laughs> uh, all right. All right. I'll work on it. You got to massage my feet, too. Uh, I don't want to. All
1: right. What kind uh, of podcast is this? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and away we go. Well, that's it for these knobs. Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com. Forward slash The Guitar Knobs. Visit our website at TheGuitarKnobs.com for all of our past episodes, four on the floor blog, and other good stuff. You can connect with us on social too at our Facebook page and share your gear and stories on our Facebook group. Also, be sure to check out our Instagram at Guitar Knobs. Catch you next time.